You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 5720 Ridge Avenue. For more information, check out circleofhope.net or join us in person on Sunday evenings at 5 p.m. So this summer, Julie called me, I think it was in July, and she said, she asked if I would be willing to share a talk at Frankfurt Ave. That's our one of our other congregations. So we have four congregations that are meeting right now at the same time. There's one on Marlton Pike in, um, what do we call it these days, Camsaucken. Camsaucken, it's like the border of Camden and Pensaucken. And um, there's one on South Broad in South Philly. And then now a newly uh, consolidated congregation that was our North Broad and our Frankfurt Ave congregations have um, merged back together, and they're imagining a new life together as a new congregation. So we're one of those four meetings. Um, And once a quarter, the pastors of the congregations rotate, and it just so happened that the week that they were supposed to rotate, Julie and her family had a vacation planned. And when she was talking with the other pastors, she was like, I'm going to come back early so I can give my talk at Frankfurt Ave. And Johnny was like, oh, no, you can have somebody else do that. I'm sending Trisha. You know Trisha Fusara? She's great, too. Um, she probably wears clogs, too. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so uh, she, she called and asked if I could um, share a talk that I've done before that I hadn't shared at Frankfurt Ave. So I got to share this at Frankfurt Ave, but originally, I, this is a talk I've, I filed away that I gave back in 2012 at South Broad. How many of you were part of South Broad in 2012? Oh. That's an interesting thing to think about. We are a, um, a daughter church from our South Broad congregation. You might not know that. So just two years ago, so we're kind of a toddler now. Um, we are, we're still growing, but we've just been at this two years. Um, we got birthed from, from our South Broad congregation, so we were there back in 2012. Um, so at the time I wrote this, I was serving as the leader of the capacity core team that that term might not feel, might not sound familiar for you, so I'm going to tell you a bit more about it. And um, Joel, Joel White, God bless him, now serves in this role as the capacity core team. So you might have gotten some emails from him about, about this work. But just briefly, the capacity core team is one of our three teams. We divide our work into, we think about church planting, compassion, and capacity are the three functions that we've discerned as we Um, do the work that God's calling us to. The Capacity Core team is charged with monitoring our network's use of resources, so our spaces, the buildings we meet in, our staffing, and our finances as we live out what we feel like God is calling us to do. Um, So here we are six years later, and we're still continuing to explore the best use of our resources. We are creative and collaborative in this process. Um, Just this summer... Like I mentioned earlier, we decided it was best to consolidate our North Broad and Frankfurt Ave congregations as Pastor Joshua was stepping down and moving into a new season, and North Broad still was struggling to find a workable, permanent space. They're kind of like us. They set up every, they were setting up every Sunday, and um, it's, it's hard to do. So we have learned that sharing our resources in our network and beyond um, brings freedom and unleashes power. Um, as Circle of Hope is living into its second act. That's kind of a a term we've been using the past several years. I remain excited about the possibilities for what's next for us. 
I hope this talk tonight will help us continue the conversation about how we share our resources across our network, particularly as we consider purchasing a building and starting another thrift store. So we have two thrift stores already, one on Frankfurt Ave and one on South Broad. They're doing really well. Last year we gave over $100,000 away to Mennonite Central Committee. That is our um, denominations group that have, have gotten together to work on relief and development efforts around the world. And so when you donate um, your clothes that you're done with or those pots and pans you haven't used in a while, you are supporting that work. And when you shop there and get affordable stuff, you're supporting that work. It's amazing. So when I read our financial reports and I look at the impact of our four congregations, I'm reminded of a story that's often called Jesus feeding the 5,000. Have you heard of this? I'm going to put that in air quotes, feeding the 5,000. This account is recorded in all four of the Gospels. Um, gospel is a word that literally means good news about the life of Jesus. And the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are called the Gospels. If you're new to the faith, I recommend starting there for studying scripture. Do not start in Genesis. I'm sorry. It's not, yeah, it's better to start with Jesus. That's what it's all about, right? Um, <clears throat> Genesis, get the, you'll get there, but start, start with Mark, would you? Um, <laughs> Mark is a quick read about the life of Christ. It's only 16 chapters. So that would be a great place to start. So this miracle we're talking about tonight, the feeding of the 5,000, this is the only miracle apart from the resurrection of Jesus that's recorded in all four of the Gospels. So pretty significant. So we're going to read the text together. Is it already up behind me? No. Oh. Huh. I am. I have the power. Oh, can you read that? Oh. Can you read it, Aaron? You can read it. Well, I have a special request, actually. I wondered if we could find the youngest guy in the room. If they might be willing to read, I think it might be Jacob Feldman. Can you see the words? You can't see the words. Oh, oh, come on down, Jacob Feldman. You can if you want to, or Aaron is more than happy. Would you like to read it, or would you like for Aaron to read it? Awesome. Sweet. Do what you need to do. Oh, yeah, or you could look over his shoulder here. That would be great, too. So Jacob's going to read it, and he's going to read it slowly. Oh, He's got it. It's good. Um, like you might be reading a story to my sons, Chris and Jasir, okay? So think about it that way. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed over. Yes, Sometime after this, Jesus crossed over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. It was also called the Sea of Tiberias. The other, a large crowd of people had followed him. They had seen signs he had done by healing sick people. Then Jesus went up to him on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The, the Jewish Passover feast was near. Jesus looked 
up and saw a large crowd of people coming towards him. And he said to Philip, uh, here you can buy bread for these people to eat. There's more? He asked this only to test Philip. He already knew that he was what he was going to do. Philip answered, suppose we are able to buy enough bread for each person to just to have just a bite. That would take more than half a year's pay. Another of his disciples spoke up. It was Andrew, si- Simon P- Peter's brother. He said, here's, here's, here is a boy with f- five small loaves of, barely, of barley bread. He also has two small fish. How far can it go on such a large crowd? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in the place, and, and they sat down. About 5,000 men they were, were there. Then Jesus took the loaves of bread and gave thanks. He handed, about the, he handed out the bread to those who were seated. He gave them as much as they wanted and did the same with the fish. When all of them had enough to eat, Jesus spoke to his disciples, gather leftover pieces, don't waste anything. So they gathered up uh, what was left over from the five barley loaves. They filled 12 baskets with the pieces left by those who had eaten. The people saw the sign that Jesus did. They began to say, this must be the prophet who, who is supposed to come into the world. But Jesus knew, knew that they had planned to come and force him to be their king. So he went away again to the mountain by himself. Thank you. Thanks so much, Jacob. That was really kind of you. Does anybody have an idea about why I wanted a young boy to read this story? Stop, you've already heard this. <laughs> yes, the, in the story. If you didn't catch it, there was a young boy who shared his lunch with the crowd, and it fed the 5,000. Yeah, so thank you so much, Jacob. Um, Some context about this passage. So in several of the gospel accounts, this happened soon after Jesus got word of John the Baptist's beheading. Um, John the Baptist and Jesus were buddies, right? Um, John the Baptist saw himself as Jesus' forerunner, preparing the way for Jesus, You may remember when John the Baptist baptized Jesus. That's how he got his name. After Jesus heard the news of John the Baptist's beheading, Jesus had withdrawn for some solitude. But a crowd had followed him anyway into the countryside, eager to hear Jesus' teachings and experience healing and renewal. Now, when we read these types of accounts in the Bible, our modern Western ears may wonder if this actually happened, right? It's important to remember the Bible, as we know it today, might better be described as a library of books rather than a single book. The Bible includes several types of writing, history, wisdom, poetry, gospel, epistles, prophecy, and apocalyptic literature. Each serves a different purpose, 
Not all are intended to be taken verbatim as historical fact. I'm going to repeat that. Not all are intended to be taken verbatim as historical fact. So it might be tempting to think, oh, well, this is just a parable, right? Now, two examples of those that are not intended to be taken literally are parables, which are stories to illustrate a principle. Like the sower, the parable of the sower. Remember Jesus talked about the sower sowing seeds on different types of soil, and some of them took root, and some of them dried up, and some of them were in the thorns, right? Wasn't talking about a literal farmer telling a story about his experience, right? It's a, it's a parable to help you understand the story. There's a lost coin, the prodigal son, all of those. Great stories, valuable. We don't question, you know, the, their value in scripture. The other is eschatological writing. Those are prophecies about the future or end times, like the book of Daniel in the Old Testament, or Revelation at the end. Whoa, don't start your scripture studies in either of those, or you're like, whoa, it's intense. Maybe you want to. Maybe it could be a fun place to start. <laughs> it could be. But they're, likely some of those are written in code to veil the meaning of what's really happening. Deta they detail the author's visions of the end times, as revealed by a heavenly messenger. So it's pretty mysterious stuff. Um, and it takes some real discernment, and we need the Holy Spirit to guide us through those. This account, though, this text here in John, however, is not a parable. It's not eschatological writing. It's not talking about the end times. These texts are written as events that truly happened. New Testament scholar John, John Drain writes, at an early stage, Christians believed that Jesus had performed miracles. With evidence from Jewish sources, it seems clear that most people who knew anything at all about Jesus' ministry believed that he had done remarkable deeds. And this belief was quite independent of whether or not they themselves were Christians. This text here we read in John and in the other Gospels is full of miracles. While, while grieving the brutal murder of his partner in ministry, Jesus was out healing the sick. Following this account, we're reading about the feeding here. Jesus' disciples set out on water, and they account, encounter a storm. They're terrified. Jesus walks on the water to meet them and bring some calm. Tonight, though, we're going to focus on two miracles. The first miracle is this. With five loaves and two fish, Jesus fed a crowd of 5,000 men. During the time this account was recorded, only the men were numbered. Scholars estimate that if women and children had been included in the account, it would have been three to four times what, they, what got recorded in Scripture. In Jesus' day, so, so 20,000 people, if you haven't done the math yet. In Jesus' day, 20,000 people would have filled the theater for citizen assembly of a major city like Ephesus. For comparison in Philly, the Wells Fargo Center, where the Sixers play, holds 19,500 people. Have you ever been to a game there? So that's, oh, I don't know, I mean. Some people are probably not sitting. That's probably the number of seats, right? So if you're selling popcorn or something, you might not be sitting. So maybe more than that, I don't know. We'll look it up, okay? Um, so after speaking of Moses, he'd just spoken about Moses before, Jesus goes on to perform a sign that might be expected of a new prophet like Moses in Deuteronomy 18.15 providing manna. Do you remember this? Um, God provided this crazy food that fell from the sky. And uh, 
Manna literally translated means, what? What is this? But God provides. The miracles of Jesus are, are about meeting needs. Jesus heals the sick, feeds the crowds, casting out demons. They're not about showing power or showing off. John Drain compares Jesus to other magicians and miracle workers of Jesus' time and notes, Jesus' work is characterized not by a quest for power, but by humble service of God and loving actions among other people. The miracles, like his teaching and preaching, were a call for faith and obedience from those who experienced and witnessed them. So Jesus wasn't doing card tricks. My husband's really good at those, if you ever want to see card magic. So he wasn't just trying to entertain. He was meeting actual needs. Here are these people here. They want to eat, and uh, he helps them get what they need. So in this case, everyone had more than enough to eat, and the leftovers filled 12 baskets. Now, these 12 baskets, when, when I heard this story as a kid, I thought about, like, the offering baskets that we passed in the pews, because that's how we used to do it. And, um, but in, in the commentary I read, it said, these might have been more like traveling baskets that the disciples carried, like a backpack as they were going from town to town, so full of supplies, a big, big basket. Um, these leftovers were considerably more than they started with. It was a Roman custom to always have some food left over after a meal to indicate more than adequate provision. In feeding the 5,000, Jesus reveals himself as the ultimate host. So that's the first miracle, that with five loaves and two fishes, 20,000 people had more than enough to eat. The second miracle that I see here, though, is that the boy, or the lad, some translations call it, who is mentioned in the John account, this is the account where, the only one where the boy is mentioned, so that's why I chose this text. The boy felt that his lunchbox was worth sharing. This young man was no older than 11, so at the time I wrote this, some of you might appreciate, I said, so older than Zach Sensenig, but younger than Jonah gets. <laughs> Jonah's in college now. <laughs> I don't know what grade Zach is in. He's in high school, I think, right? Uh, 10th, oh, geez. Um, so he, he was no older than 11 because he would have been referred to as a man if he were 12. Jacob, how old are you? You just turned 12. Oh, last week. That's why we switched. Yeah, okay, yeah. So he just turned 12. Um, Dominic Crognelli, how old is he? Is he 11? I think he might be 11. He had a birthday in August, yeah. Yeah. So um, although this young boy had five barley loaves, that, were th that was the cheapest kind of bread and two fish. Maybe a, a modern-day comparison would be something like ramen noodles and a hug to drink, right? Yeah, Eden, she knows about hugs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Last time I gave this talk, I brought, um, I brought Lillian's lunchbox, and I brought a loaf of Wick bread. Does anybody know Wick bread? It's real bad. It's, uh, it's in this bright orange package, and that's what you get. Thank you. USDA, that's what you get for free if you need some help feeding your family. We've, we've eaten a lot of wick bread at our house. It's real bad. It's good as a grilled cheese. You gotta slather it in butter, put some cheese in the middle. So maybe, maybe some of that bread. So this was more than enough for his lunch. Maybe it was a lunch for his family, this young boy. But when the disciples began looking among the crowd for food, this lad stepped up to share. 
He felt confident about what he had to offer. This young man believed that his small offering, his lunchbox, could make a difference. In the hands of Jesus, a boy's lunchbox becomes an all-you-can-eat buffet. So what can we learn from this passage? First, we, can, we need to be willing to share with our resources, our time, and our finances. We le- live in challenging economic times. Many among us are unemployed, underemployed, in slavery to debt, facing difficult circumstances. We can be confident, though, that Jesus knows all of our concerns and meets our needs. I've learned about this from you. One way to work together is to identify the scarcity mentality. We got at this a bit earlier as we were singing. Um, Our world gives us this message of scarcity, that life has only so much, like there's one pie out there, and that if someone else is getting a piece of pie, then there's less for others. Uh, It's really common. The abundance mentality, on the other hand, flows out of a deep inner sense of personal worth and security, believes that there's plenty out there and enough to spare for everybody. It results in sharing prestige, recognition, profits, decision-making. It opens possibilities, options, alternatives, and creativity. That's the work that we do in sharing, right? Um, Jesus told a story um, in Luke 21 of the widow's might. He looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly, I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty, putting in all she had to live on. In Circle of Hope, we do some great work on sharing our resources and time. People are often finding meaningful work. Has anybody else found a job through our share board? I have. Or an apartment. Or gotten some resources. Um, Just recently, Robbie gave away a dining table and some shelves. Yeah. Um, We share our time volunteering on mission teams. We care for each other's children. I hear that um, Aaliyah and Isaiah are going with Maria tonight, right? So Julie and Steve can go on retreat with the BIC. So great, that's how we do. Um, We lead cells, we help people move across town. Have you helped someone move recently? Danielle had an army when she moved in early September, yeah? So that's how we roll. We have made deliberate choices about how we approach financial giving. Our public meetings are an open gathering for welcoming in new people and those who've been on the journey with us. We do not issue pre-printed envelopes to all our covenant members. I got those when I was a kid. I really liked them in some ways because it had my name on it. I could um, check the boxes about what I'd done that week. Um, We don't pass an offering plate or ask everyone to come forward and bring a gift. Instead, we have an offering box in the back. It's right behind Rebecca, behind the apples. We have an offering box. And um, we usually mention that in our newsing time at the end, but we don't make a big deal out of giving. We want to be funded by partners, not the obligated attender who gets coerced into throwing a few bucks into the offering plate. We also recognize that everyone is in a different place financially. We all go through different seasons and many choose to share in other ways. 
As a result of our care and caution about this, though, I fear we may be missing out on partners. Um, we track our sources and uses across our network, and Joel's been sharing some of that with us recently about where we're at. And Aaron is our local treasurer here at this congregation to see where we're at. So we're making some decisions about how we use our resources, what our next steps are. We're, we're operating out of this abundance mindset. We're working with what we've got and seeing how far we can stretch it, right? Um, yeah. We are working on ways to tell the story about what God is doing with our resources. We're not undertaking a, a building campaign. When I was growing up, my church hired a consulting group to get us to give more money so that we could build a new building. This is a pretty common thing. We will never do that in Circle of Hope. Never. <laughs> Joel. Right, Joel? <clears throat> um, so we want to be willing to share. That's what we can learn from this boy in his lunchbox. Secondly, we want to always give thanks. All four gospel accounts of the Jesus feeding the 5,000 record Jesus giving thanks. Sometimes he's lifting his head towards heaven and then breaking the bread and fish to share. When I imagine the scene on that hillside, I imagine it much like our times when we observe communion together during our Sunday meetings, or maybe at our love feasts, when our coordinators shared in a mindful way the Last Supper account, Jesus and his disciples breaking bread. We've been talking about ways to make time for God in our busy lives. Uh, I appreciated Julie's talk about doing our chores in a mindful way. <laughs> I have three kids, so I have a lot of chores. <clears throat> um, so it's important to find ways to give thanks. Um, in, our, in our home, we have a tradition of holding hands and singing a blessing prayer before each meal. We sing, God, we thank you, which is in the tune of Frere Jaco. Um, giving thanks for our resources not only centers our hearts and minds on Jesus, but it has the power to transform resources into much more. Third thing we can learn here is to get organized. In the Matthew and Mark accounts of this event, Jesus asks his disciples to have the crowd gather in groups of 50 to 100. So if we're envisioning the Wells Fargo Center, it's like one pie section of seating, right? This helped organize the massive meal. So if we're only counting the men present, 5,000 men divided into groups um, makes it easier to cover a portion of the crowd and, and divide things up. Jesus asks the crowd to sit down in the grass. Some translations say recline. They used to lay down when they were eating. That simple direction helped the crowd stay put while Jesus and his disciples distributed the abundance. As Jesus had a plan for distributing this miraculous meal, Circle of Hope's capacity teams work to keep our network of four congregations organized to make the most of our resources. Our common fund team, site management teams, technology teams serve like a trellis for the tomato plant that is our four congregations, supporting and laying a framework for growth. Then we can watch how God multiplies our resources now, I'm not advocating a prosperity theology here, this idea that if you pray the right prayer, that God will bless you in a particular material way. We don't believe that Christians are entitled to financial success and material abundance. We know, however, that all resources belong to God 
and we are entrusted as stewards. We can also be confident that God blesses sharing. That's clear. Jesus is still in the business of miracles. Over the past two decades, Circle of Hope has collected some proverbs about what God is teaching us about life together. In my work with Capacity Core team and also our Baby Goods Exchange team, I did a lot of work with that a while back, I'm often reminded of our proverb, sharing our resources brings freedom and unleashes power. I'm going to share some examples of how Jesus continues to multiply our resources. So in the hands of Jesus, our modest spaces host amazing celebrations. Uh, We have two thrift stores, like I mentioned earlier. We've had so many weddings, concerts. Um, I see some people wearing their turn-up to bailout shirts. So we're about to have our second, yeah, Christy's got hers on. So we, this is our second year now where we're gonna be hosting an evening of music and performances to raise money for the Philadelphia Community Bail Fund, um, believing that those who are awaiting their trial should not be kept behind bars simply because they can't afford bail. Um, and so there's a team who's working to help discern how that process goes. Um, in the hands of Jesus, a boy's lunchbox becomes an all-you-can-eat buffet. Excuse me. <laughs> in the hands of Jesus, baby clothes and gear are shared by many families. You know the origin of the baby goods exchange, right? So Martha Grace, her daughter is about to graduate high school. When uh, Helena, and when Helena was a baby, uh, Eden, buddies, um, yeah. When Helena was a baby, she had this crew of like six women who were passing boxes of clothes around, and maternity clothes, and whatever else they needed as, you know, oh, you're having a baby, you need the infant things, or you, have, you need the toddler things. And as we started the thrift store, they said, you know, we have the opportunity to do this on a bigger scale. And so it started as like once a quarter, we'd try and offer one of these. Now we're at the point where we're having about 14 or 15 of them a year, hosted at five different locations. We had one here at Ridge Ave not too long ago. People come and they bring the stuff that they're done with. We start out with some leftover things from the thrift store to kind of seed it, right? But then people bring what they're done with and you can pick up whatever you need for what's next. And it's so confusing for people sometimes. They're like, wait, I can take anything? And folks are there to help them shop, to say, oh, we need, you need six-month girl things. Okay, we'll look for that. How old is your son? You know, and you, we, we share it. Um, so I can remember, um, Aubrey and I used to work together on this, and I can remember her saying at a baby goods exchange several years ago now, um, she saw a shirt go out the door, and she said, my son Josiah wore that. And then Dominic Crugnelli wore it, and then Brendan wore it, and then it went to Asher Walton. Asher just walked out a few minutes ago. He's in third grade now. In the hands of Jesus, a boy's lunchbox becomes an all-you-can-eat buffet. In the hands of Jesus, our thrift store purchases fund relief, development, and peacemaking around the globe in the name of Jesus. So I, I talked briefly about MCC earlier, and our, one of our teaching pastors, Gwen White, serves on the board for MCC, and she just recently visited the U.S.-Mexico border and participated in a listening tour there to understand how we can be the presence of Jesus in a really tough space. We are supporting that work. Um, 
So buying a, a, a T-shirt for a dollar or furniture for your living room can help orphans reach safety, can help refugees have meals. In the hands of Jesus, a boy's lunchbox becomes an all-you-can-eat buffet. In the hands of Jesus, offering box gifts support a staff of six full-time staff and four part-time staff members. We have four congregational pastors, a hub team leader, an operations manager, a development pastor, a communications manager, a, a Sunday meeting resource person. In the hands of Jesus, a boy's lunchbox becomes an all-you-can-eat buffet. In the hands of Jesus, our mutuality fund helps people in our community catch up on rent, handle emergency car repairs, recover from illness. We've been seeing some updates about this lately, right? So we set aside 10% of our sharing to go into this mutuality fund. Some of it's getting used by my cell on, on Wednesday nights now. So some of us need to bring our kids in order to be able to participate in our cell meeting. And so we pay a babysitter to come hang out with them. Sometimes it's Eden McClendon, she's the best. Um, to hang out with our kids so the adults can have a meeting without juggling our kids the whole time. So great. Um, in the hands of Jesus, Circle of Hope ties another 10% to our denominations work, Brethren in Christ Hunger Fund, Cooperative Ministries, and MCC. We all benefit from this support. And uh, the Brethren in Christ has also supported us as we have started this new congregation. So this is our fourth um, congregation that we've started with the help of some support from the Brethren in Christ. The last lesson I want to make sure we hear from this account about feeding the 5,000, though, is that we can expect misunderstanding. After Jesus multiplied the loaves and fishes, those gathered on the hillside got it twisted. They thought Jesus was trying to become king. The crowds wanted an earthly leader like Moses, one who could overthrow the Romans, but that was not Jesus' mission. This type of sharing that we do in our network and with our, with our denomination and beyond is uncommon. This idea of passing baby gear around, giving out low-cost counseling, that's what a lot of our mutuality fund goes to, is supporting folks. Getting therapy. Living in community, there's bound to be some confusion. I, when I was leading the Baby Goods Exchange team, we would often have expectant mothers come to a Baby Goods Exchange and say, I don't have anything to give this kid in my belly has not outgrown any clothes yet, right? It's confusing. Can I still come if I can't bring anything to share? Of course, come, please come. You're exactly the person who needs the stuff that everybody else has outgrown. There's bound to be some confusion. But with Jesus' love and clear communication, we can sort it out. Finally, I want to make sure that we keep telling the story. Jesus is bringing resurrection, renewal, and abundant life. We are continuing to work out how we share our resources in amazing ways. Um, so as we think about that, I want us to remember this boy and his lunchbox, his five loaves and two fishes that fed 5,000 people. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.